0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in depth to share their experiences, brilliant insights, and vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments within the sport. The presenting sponsor of the Sidious Mag Podcast is Olipop. We've been pounding Olipop for months now, and our gut health has never been better we all know the trepidation that runners have had for years about drinking soda olipop calls itself a new kind of soda it's a delicious and healthy alternative whether you're a runner a fitness enthusiast or just someone who wants to make better choices olipop is the perfect drink for you olipop is a low sugar low calorie beverage that is packed with prebiotics botanicals and plant fibers that nourish your microbiome and supports digestive health It comes in a variety of tasty flavors like vintage cola, strawberry vanilla, lemon lime, banana cream. My favorite flavor is tropical punch. Sidious Mag podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders while using code SIDIUS25 at checkout on DrinkOllipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and other retailers. So the next time that you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. DrinkOllipop.com code SIDIUS25. CJ Albertson is back on the Sidious Mag podcast just days after running 2:11:08 at the Baja California Marathon in Mexico this past weekend. The thing is, it comes a week after he ran and won the California International Marathon in 2:11:09. That performance doesn't count towards Olympic qualifying because of the nature of CIM's course, but with the performance in Mexico, he got under the 2:11:30 mark that makes him eligible for selection at the US Olympic trials. Instead of having to worry about a time in Orlando, now he just needs to finish in the top three. So a reminder to the listeners trying to keep track of all these things. The U.S. currently has two spots guaranteed for Paris thanks to Connor Mance and Clayton Young's performances at the Chicago Marathon. Doesn't necessarily mean that those two guys will be the ones competing in Paris. The whole team will be determined at the Olympic trials. The third spot will likely be unlocked in May based off of World Athletics' rankings. It's a bit confusing, but CJ talks a bit about it in this episode, so hopefully you'll be clear by the end of it. We touch on his decision to basically run three marathons and 2.11 over the span of 40 days, why he believes his chances of making the team are better than ever, and you have to hear about his infrared treadmill setup. So without further ado, here is CJ Albertson. All right, I'm catching him after he's only run, let's see, what, nine miles today? So a a low mileage day. CJ Albertson joins the podcast a couple days removed from nabbing that Olympic, uh, it's not even like an Olympic B standard, but getting under 211.30 now makes it easy for himself at the Olympic trials. CJ, how are you feeling post-marathon?
1: Good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know if it
0: makes it, makes the Olympic trials easy for me, but it's easier for your family and friends to understand that you just need to get top. Yeah,
1: one less thing to learn about. Yeah. Let's let's
0: kind of like dive into just first off, like why you decided to give it almost three shots in the past like 40 days of getting under 21130. First you did one, I believe what was it in Fresno? And then after that, CIM. And then finally went down to Mexico and ran two eleven oh eight.
1: So how did you come up with this plan? Um well I, I didn't really come up with this plan uh but I yeah I had wanted to do Fresno um to kind of get under the Olympics to get under that minimum standard to to be able to be used as a replacement um in the event that the US has has three qualifiers and I'm top 3. Um so we went through the certification process and all that. Um that race ended up Not counting anyways because there is a piece where it has to be submitted, uh, it has to be put on the world athletics calendar or something like that, a certain amount of days in advance, which yeah, wasn't communicated, um, to the people that we asked. And I don't, you know, don't need to get into that, but um, so that race ended up wouldn't have counting anyways, um, but that was the original plan. And then CIM is just a basically just a good opportunity, uh, to race and, and make a decent amount of money. Um, so I had planned on doing that, not, not that had nothing to do with Olympic qualifying or anything, just, um, kind of just keep me in the, in the zone of training. Um, cause I wasn't specifically training for that race or doing like a huge buildup for it and tapering or anything, kind of just using it to kind of keep me, uh, kind of engaged as, as I, get through the end of the fall with work and everything and then have a have a race to look forward to um and and again something i can make some money and have some fun with um so yeah that was that goal and i accomplished that um by winning and it's fun to win and make money um and then wednesday i i was running on the treadmill with my heat lamps you know starting to get prepared for orlando uh and i i felt decent I, i wasn't 100% 100% recovered yet, but I'm like, oh, I feel pretty decent. Um, and I had looked at the world athletics calendar, uh, probably early November, kind of just like, kind of just torn with the idea of like, okay, if I'm, uh, is there an easy chance to kind of get that, get that standard time? Um, and so I saw this, this, uh, Baja California race on the calendar and it was certified and everything. Um, but I couldn't really find any other information about it. And I kind of just, forgot about it and then i don't know for whatever reason like on wednesday they like that we popped into my head like oh yeah there's that race i'll try to check it out um uh, i did some searching through strava and was able to find like some some people that had ran it in 2022 so i could see the course i was like oh it's like perfectly flat it's just one huge loop and then a smaller loop so there's hardly any turns at least on paper um and then i you know i looked at the weather because we at that point we were only like two three days out and it was going to be, you know, 42 degrees at the start, low humidity, no wind. So um, then it got, then it started getting in my head. Like, um, this, is a, this is a perfect opportunity. Um, Mexicali is not that far. You just fly to San Diego. It's like an hour flight from Fresno and then two hours, uh, two hours driving. I was having trouble finding information on the race or where to sign up and all that. So I, I texted a guy that uh, he, he hosts, a race here in fresno he, he's also a high school coach here in the area um, but he h- hosts a race where he'll bring people in from like some professional runners from mexico um so and i knew he had done some races there so i just asked him if he had any contacts or get me connected with the race and within like 30 minutes he, he did and uh we were able to get a hold of like the race organizers and they confirmed it was it was certified and i could i could run if i got there so i just yeah, basically set up the travel plans, Uh and then basically all in a matter of like an hour. Basically, I decided like, oh, I guess I'm going to race this. Um Then that happened. Is it true you were at Fullocker the day before, running around on the course? <laughs> yeah. So my flight to San Diego got in at about 9:40. Um, and my and the and the, the same guy, um, Jesus Campos, that was he he actually ended up deciding he's like, oh, if you're going to race it, I'll race it too. So he had drove to San Diego. So he was picking me up from the airport to then go to the, to the race. And I was like, well, the, the, the boys are going to start at at 10 and Carter's racing. Carter sprawling. He's a, um, he, he's a runner from our, from our city. He goes to Clovis East high school. But so yeah, from Clovis. And I was like, I think the footlocker is basically on the way and it's 10 minutes away. So if I run from my, from my plane and how many car, like we could probably make it. So, um, so yeah, I did that. We we got to the we got to the start line like literally like as they were introducing the West Boys. Um and then the gun went off and so we got to got to watch the race. And I i ran Foot Locker my senior year, but I haven't been back since um and I've never watched it like live. So um yeah, it just worked out perfectly, like the timing we were just happened to be there. So like why not?
0: Because when Mac and even Drew Hunter saw that you ran this marathon, they are like, There's no way like he was we just saw CJ on the course in San Diego, but no, the trip does, it all checks out. It makes sense. I will be with you on the sense of like finding any information about this race was crazy. I was like on, you know, <laughs> I luckily like I'm fluent in Spanish. I could read Spanish websites and I couldn't find any sort of results or tracking link for a bit. It wasn't until like you posted your Strava and then I sent it to a couple of people and they're like, w- what race is this? And like, was it an official race? And, and then you finally like put this, the screenshot up of the world athletics profile.
1: And I was like, Oh, it was, it was legit. So yeah, that's how I heard about it was through world athletics. Cause they have a, they have a master calendar of their approved events. So I was looking at all of them and um, yeah, and it was on there. And so how did you
0: mentally put yourself, on that starting line, telling yourself, like, okay, all right, 211, sub 211.30 is in the cards today. After just like, it's not, you know, the race that you tapered for, really had any plans of going all out. And how, I, what are you feeling on that starting line? And then even midway through the race, like knowing it was re- within reach, I would have felt like the moment you slipped off the
1: pace, it would be like, all right,
0: like that's it, it's not happening today, but
1: you got it done. Yeah. I mean, I've ran like, Obviously many many long runs, lots of marathons. I mean, going into that race, I would run between two ten twenty three and two eleven forty nine officially eight times. Um, you know, and I've done some fifty Ks and stuff in training and stuff, but um so like it's it's not something that I've never done before and like I've I've done these efforts lots of times and done similar efforts in practice. So um yeah, it would but I mean I was CIM, you know, does have Good amount of hills, good amount of downhill. So it was sore coming off of that. Um, by race day, I was I felt like I was feeling fine, but I've also I've never I also haven't done marathons back to back, especially after C.I. Like a race like C.I.M. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was fairly like calm. Like I felt like I could do it, obviously, or when I have have made the trip. Um, but I also knew it was like okay, if, if things aren't going well, you know, I can just step off and you know, go home and no one's even going to know because no one even knows I'm here. <laughs> uh, I think I told like my wife and my dad and my uncle and maybe one or two people that like I saw, like that I had come into contact with that, you know, as I was leaving. So like, oh, yeah, I'm good. But um, but yeah, so it was just kind of like, you know, I'll take a shot and see what happens. I actually didn't feel that great. Like four or five miles in my my adductors were um, a little tight, my hamstrings ho- started to feel kind of tight, like they were almost cramping in my calves and, and I've, I've cramped in like my hamstrings and calves at the end of marathons. And so it kind of felt similar to that feeling. And so I kind of got that thought of like, oh shoot, maybe like, I'm not, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm not like recovered. I'm like fatigued and you know, I'm only going to make another few miles. Yeah. Um, but then I, then I felt good. Like I kind of got through a few miles, started warming up and you know by mile like nine or ten like i felt really good and then even after we got through halfway which you know normally around like 14 15 you start to kind of like oh man this is this is a marathon like it's you know your energy levels deplete you don't really feel good like I, I started feeling better um and i just was really locked into that kind of just sub five minute pace that i needed to run um and i had two guys with me uh so two kenyan athletes that were um for the most part just sitting on me one guy made like a surge think he thought I was tired, so he could drop me, but he made a surge, and then we ended up catching him, like, a half mile later. But, um yeah, so it, it was a fun race, and, I mean, I actually felt way better than I felt at CIM, like, from miles 10 to, to the finish line. I mean, it wasn't even cool. Like I felt way better than I did at CIM, so. It
0: was a sprint finish, too, right?
1: Yeah, I, we were together up until like maybe five or six hundred to go and I was planning on there's a there was a turn about 200 meters to the finish I was planning on getting around the turn and kicking um because at that point around like two miles ago I, I was kind of like a little bit nervous like I wasn't I didn't know if I was feeling super great like I was just hoping like I knew I was gonna hit the time the two eleven thirty time so I'm like okay just don't cramp don't have anything bad happen and like you're gonna get it done but then the racing part I was still kind of nervous because like I'm like I just I need to just finish um, uh, but then once I got to a mile to go, um, I didn't have any cramping feelings and sometimes you feel this like kind of shaky, like your legs just like are wobbly, but I, I felt like strong. Like I was like, okay, I got like good hop. Like I feel like in control. So at that point I knew I was going to win because I was like, I can, I'm pretty sure I can, you know, drop like a sub 30 last 200 and he's just, he's not going to do that. So, um, I, then then it was kind of this fun cuz I'm just like waiting until like the turn. But then I unintentionally dropped him earlier than that. Um I think the I think the crowd picked up and maybe I got excited. I don't really know. But I don't remember surging but he just kind of drifted off and I like, okay, I guess I'll just you know, now that I have a gap I kind of got to go.
0: So so why go through all of this trouble? Like your job is professional runner and then I guess like as a professional runner and an American marathoner there's so many different ways to answer the question come, you know, January and February as the Olymp- Olympic trials get closer. You know, if people know another pro-American marathoner, it'd be like, oh, so what do you have to do to get to the Olympics? And the answer is not just finishing the top three for a lot of people. It's like, well, I have to finish in the top three and I have to run under two eleven thirty. So for you, I guess like you made it just a little bit easier for yourself when you have to answer that question. So from your understanding of things right now, what does it take for you to get onto the Olympic team? It's top three, but then at the same time, like that third spot isn't guaranteed until May, right?
1: Yeah. So going into the race, if I want it to be certain on on like right when I cross the line, it's like, okay, I'm going then it would have to be I'd have to finish top two Um, because right now the U.S. has two spots for sure. Conor Mance, Clayton Young have hit the Olympic standard. America has two spots. They can replace those spots however they choose to as long as the the person they replace it with has run under to 1130 which is that's set by the Olympics the minimum standard. The third spot so from uh, I think it's like January 30th to May 5th or 4th um Fifteen more spots will be opened up, so basically from 66th to 80th, and um, and so then then the United States will almost certainly unlock a third spot. So if then if I was third, you know I would be able to take that spot. It's not for certain because theoretically they like right now I think Scott Falwell is 68 mm-hmm. somewhere there. Um, theoretically, 13 more guys could bump him and and all the other Americans down. Um, and yeah, and and the trials, I don't know, could be really, really slow. So even though you get the bonus points for, for placing high in a, in a national, um, cause each race has different points. So you get points based on time and then you get points based on the category of the race. So like the gold, like world marathon majors, gold label races, you get more points for finishing top. You know, five top 10, even top 15 for the Olympic trials. That's a national one. So I believe it'll be a category B race and you'll get bonus points. But if it was super, super slow, even with your bonus points, you know, maybe people wouldn't get enough points to improve their rankings. That's pretty low likely. But say all that happens and then somehow 13 more people from these countries, I don't know, kind of smaller countries that we're not looking at right now, like Pass all of the other Americans, then, you know, then we'd only have two. So there's a small, small chance, but it's pretty unlikely. Like right now, Falwell has, a, I think, 1169 points and the, the 81st position is 1119 um, or 1119. And so then they'd have to be, you know, thir- you'd have to go down to the 93rd position, like 13 more new guys. Um, and the, the list doesn't even go down that far. So you can't even see what those points are. But basically, and 50 points is a lot, actually. It's basically from like two, like 213 to 210 or somewhere in that range, 212 high to, to like 210 low. Um, so it, it's a big chunk of time, even though it seems like it's not that many points. It's, it is significant. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's a safe bet to say the U.S. will get three spots, so I have to be top three. Um, but, you know, I'd rather just win or be top two. <laughs> So right now we're in it.
0: We're in in Orlando training. Uh, from the looks of it on on Strava. You're on the Peloton uh treadmill. I'm 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 seeing, you know, you're logging all the classes. The thing that sticks out to me from this week, I'm looking at it right now, fingers crossed for hellish conditions. And you had quote El Diablo, and there's a short video of you on the treadmill with the infrared lights. It says ninety-eight degrees Fahrenheit. Take us through, I guess, what is happening in this video? And I guess, like, what are you hoping for in Orlando?
1: In the Mexico race, they had, they, this guy was announcing the race from his phone. It was very impressive. I mean, the whole race is, like, live stream, but, like, he's literally just riding his bike, holding the phone. And it's one of the best streams you'll find. I mean, it is, it, like, for people that are like, we just, we want to watch the, the, the race from start to finish November. Like you see the entire race all two hours and 11 minutes just right there. And, uh, he's literally talking the whole time. It's very, impressive. but he like nicknamed me El Diablo and uh, people like the whole like Mexican running community just found it hilarious. And so now I'm El Diablo in, in certain parts of the world, but, um, <laughs> so that was a joke, but yeah, basically I, I ha- I set up, I have 11 heat lamps, just like you'd buy for like chickens, like a chicken coop. Um, and I just hook them all up, and I have to I have to put them on different circuits, or else I'll, you know, what we're doing. So I, I, I have to calculate some of the wattage and make sure I have them. All, I have three different uh, circuits, so I have some extension cords going to different plugs around the house. But um, yeah, so then I just crank it up. I'm still trying to get the humidity higher, so I've been boiling water and, like, putting pots of boiling water in, in the room to, like, try to keep the humidity a little bit higher. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's just kind of my, my plan. I, I do, I'm hoping to do like mainly, you know, n- normal runs like outside, you know, in the mornings and do a lot of my speed workouts like on land, but then to get at least w- like one run a day and maybe a longer run midweek, like on the, on the treadmill. So they moved the start time from noon to 10. It doesn't make that huge of a
0: difference. What were your sort of like impressions as everyone kind of was, you know, taking to social media to voice their opinions, you're the type of guy, it strikes me, it was just like, I'm going to prepare for whatever and the worst case scenario. And, like, this is, I'm looking at this now, it's like, this is preparing for the worst case scenario, but the whole entire time were you thinking, like, yeah,
1: I don't care. Well, without the 211.30 time, it's it's a lot more worrying, I'll say, because if I'm, you know, just like, I've run 211.30 a lot, but it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily easy to where like, if it's like 80 degrees and humid, like, I mean, there's, there's a good possibility I don't run to 1130. Like that's, it's, it's, I mean, I'd like to think I'm just in this amazing shape and I can do that, you know, you know, in a hundred degrees at altitude, but realistically, like I'm probably not, you know, so, um, so yeah, I, I think there was a little bit of concern and a little bit of worry, which is why I spur the moment drove to Mexico to run a race because because I was I was you know thinking about it and I found myself looking at historical temperatures and dew points and 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 even the LA results and other results of hot marathons and I was like I'm thinking about this kind of more than I want to because because I have this time in my head that I know I'm gonna have to run and and it was kind of unclear because initially I thought if I'm in the top 80 like if I qualify if I'm literally qualified for the Olympics, then if I'm top three I'm gonna go but then I still don't know if that's true or not. Like, I still know like if I'm top eighty, but I hadn't run the two eleven thirty time. If I'd be eligible, it's kind of confusing. I don't. But it seems like USATF is saying no, but I'm not. Re- I wasn't sure. This sport, I don't man. Know if anyone's <laughs> sure? Yeah. So I'm just like, I just need to run the time, so I don't have this this stress. And now that you know, I've run it, and I feel you know, I don't have to worry about that part. It's like, well, now it's probably beneficial for me to have or conditions or, or hotter weather and other people are going to train for it. It's not like I'm going to be the only person doing this type of stuff. People are going to train and do the best that they can. But, um, but I, I think, I think my consistency, essentially running the same time, every race, no matter if it goes out loud, if it goes out slower, if it's hilly, like Atlanta, or if it's, you know, whatever, whatever the race is, I kind of somehow always end up running around the same time. So, um, some other people may be more affected. So it probably helps me. Um, if it's like perfect conditions, you know, we're probably going to have to run, um, to a way to make the team, which obviously I, I think I can do and I'd like to do, but, um, it, but is that the highest probability of me making it? I don't know. Probably, probably not. So like the, the warmer conditions probably at least give me an equal or favorable chance. So now it's just, um, now it's it's a win-win because if it's good conditions okay like just a normal race but if it's hot it's like cool like i'm I'm excited like i'm probably more excited so um it it just makes it fun because yeah it's a win-win for me either way now um maybe in a hurricane maybe that'd be my i probably that'd be the one thing i'm rooting against because i don't typically run in the rain a lot so no hurricanes which could be a possibility you never know they'd probably cancel it though
0: you mentioned two oh eight and that's what Connor Mans, Clayton Young ran. What do you think it's gonna take for you to make I mean, it's a big jump right now, but I guess you know and believe that you're capable of that. What's it gonna take to close that gap?
1: Um, I mean, I think I've been in fairly close. Minutes. I mean when I left this year in Boston, I mean we went out in sixty two nineteen, so um and obviously I ran. I ended up running two ten thirty three. Um, but I mean I think if I go out two minutes or even a minute and a half slower. it's reasonable that I probably could have ran a little bit faster on that day. So I don't think it's necessarily like too big of a jump um, than it is um, if you purely look at PRs. Yeah, I mean, I think just, just a little bit of, a little bit more speed, just being a little bit more comfortable, um, just just running faster, like running in the 440s. Um, but I mean, pace-wise, it's not a huge difference. I mean, it's basically going and running from like 450s eight average to like 453 average you know when you look at five seconds a mile you're like that's not you know when you look at that for a 5k you're like oh i want to improve my 5k by 15 seconds um you know i mean if you're a 13 flat guy okay like that's a lot but like you know for most people like most college people right now they're like oh i'm running a 14 10 i want to get down to thirteen fifty five. it's like that's not crazy like that's okay we can do five seconds a mile one second lap you know and that's really what it is, one second of four hundred. And so I think it's just getting a little bit of speed, having everything being finely tuned, um, and just just racing consistently and well. I mean like I think I could I think I could realistically, when I'm in my best shape, click off four fifty twos, four fifty threes. It's when I you know, like in some races like Boston's like, well, we're clicking off some like miles in the four thirties and that's really giving me a lot of fatigue. Um but I don't think the trials will be like that. Um, I mean, I'm not going to be... I'm, I won't be pushing the pace at 62 flat. Um, I might be pushing the pace, but not at 62 flat. So,
0: Compared to 2020, do you feel your chances are better at making this team than the last
1: go-round? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely... I'm definitely—I'm Going into 2020, I had run 213. Um, and I think I could have run faster than that, probably. But, like, it just... But, but that was my PR and so my body had never done it um you know now i have run now i run 2:14 or, or or faster 15 times and i've run 2:11:49 or faster nine times um and done some 50k's and stuff so like i mean i've just run so many marathons and race raced so much and done so much training and i've quite improved a bit too but it's just i'm i'm not um yeah it, there's a lot more unknowns i know how to race better um, and I, I just ran faster by the time we get to the Olympic trials, I'll be in really good shape, hopefully the best shape of my life. So, um, yeah, I, I think this, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a tough team to make. I mean, I think people kind of talk about like a few people like, oh, you know, they'll say Connor Mance, Clayton Young, cause they've, they've ran fast, Scott Fawble, um, Galen Rob, obviously, but then like, there's so many guys, but I mean like Leonard Trier, Footsum, there's a lot of guys that have run like two Oh nine to but they've run like really fast halves or like they've gone out fast and it just didn't all quite come together. And there's probably like, I mean, 15 to 20 guys that could be two Oh nine lows or faster or guys that can close really fast. Cause they've run, you know, really fast races, like in the, in the USATF circuits, like 15 Ks to 30 Ks. And um, so like, there's a lot of people that like, people aren't necessarily like you don't necessarily hear about a lot, but like they're they're really good and they're gonna if they're if they're in shape on that day, they're gonna be hard to beat. So I feel like they will be a pretty big group that has contention and that can run, you know, pretty fast. So um yeah, it'll definitely be a tough team. But then at the same time, Connor Mance and Leonard Career are the only be I think Clayton Young did run two oh eight flat. I don't think he didn't break two oh eight. So career and and Mans um, and Rup are the you know only guys that have broken two away, and two of those were two hundred seven highs. So those don't seem unfathomable. You know, like when you're racing like Kelvin Kiptum and it's like, look, well, he's running too flat. You know, realistically, unless he blows up, you don't have a shot. <laughs> but well, you know, when when guys are like, okay, they're within your range, it's like you know you have a very legitimate shot. Um, so yeah, so I think I have a good shot, but it's also very competitive and, and a lot deeper than I think a lot of people a lot of maybe casual fans don't realize like this is a probably at least like a 20 deep person race um, you may be only here maybe five seven names but it's a lot deeper than that
0: I'm curious what you think what do you think about Paul Chalimo he might be making his debut but like I I think like a season yeah. marathoner like you probably thinks like it's it's tough to think you're gonna finish top three in your first ever one
1: yeah, that's true. But those guys are also concerning to, to race against because you know how talented they are, um, and you know how like fast they are. And and like you know, for someone like me that generally thinks the marathon isn't necessarily that hard, or as as other people may view it, I'm like, well, man, if if someone's run under 13 minutes for a 5k, like they can run 206 easy. Like, there's no reason why, like, you know, you just you just dedicate a season to doing some 25 mile long runs, and you're gonna run 206. Like, I don't see how. In my mind, there's no way you don't do that. So, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it doesn't go like that, and and you know, it it probably is hard to to make the team on your first shot. But like, yeah, he's a guy that's like, he. I mean, he's at least gonna be there for 30k or pretty close to it. Um, and then you know after that, you know, maybe there's some unknowns, but um. Yeah, and I think there'll be a handful of guys that are are similar, maybe not quite his caliber. I always feel like those guys can do it and should do it because of the type of runner I am. Obviously, you know it it is harder, and historically it does take some time. But but I think also with shoes now, that learning curve is, or I don't always use a learning curve, but that the the times to get the marathon right uh, has shortened because. You know your legs just don't get beat up as much and so you can you can make that jump
0: okay so that Kyle's written about this a couple times and kind of voiced his opinion about how we see it very clearly on the women's side of elite marathoning where there were these track stars that could sustain a faster pace and couple that with the shoe technology like that's why we see you know two thirteens and two fourteens now a bit more common it didn't quite hit on the men's side with joshua chep guy in his debut like he struggled to a 208 in his first time around but the trend potentially could be down the road that we have these people like jakob and eventually when he debuts in the marathon like that he's able to sustain this faster pace at 5k the mile you just have to be a really good miler and then eventually build that aerobic base with the shoe technology that these marathon times are going to get faster. Do you kind of also view that trend happening? Like we're living in the now where you have sort of like the pre and post super shoe athletes still commingling, but we're going to have a, a, another step forward. I think.
1: I don't think it's really just, just the shoes. Cause I, I mean, I, I, um, I jumped straight into the marathon before the shoes. And I, I mean, I ran my, my the first marathon I ever did I did a marathon two weeks later <laughs> uh and and ran actually i did i was gonna do three races in a row i was gonna do the fresno marathon the monterey bay half and then the vegas real marathon the monterey bay half got canceled but i still ran like a 10 mile uh template with a sub 60 minute dive um from kenya we just ran into each other and uh i just started running with them and then we were like 450 this is back in 2018 right yeah, this is anything. Yeah, and then I ran. So, and that was in like I was wearing like these like Adidas like sub two shoes, and they were like less than five ounces or something, I and mean, they were nothing. I remember I them. Yeah, ran. and uh, so yeah, and like I just you know that was my first season. Like I had gone a gear without running competitively, and then just jumped right in. They're like, oh, I'm just gonna do some marathons, and um, and so like I don't think it was necessary. Like I think the marathon just has never really been quite as like hard as people have like thought about. They just, a lot of track people just haven't done it or, or they'll maybe kind of like, Oh, it's kind of like an afterthought. Like when I'm like, Oh, I kind of want to, not really ready to retire, but I'm kind of done. So I'll just run some marathons to, you know, keep, keep the money going a little bit until I officially retire. But, um, or they just do it for fun. I don't know just to see, but, um, but now it's like with the shoes, it's like a little, it's it's easier to make the transition or it's easier to do training or maybe in their event specifically like now for like 5K, especially 10K training, like people can do a little bit more aggressive long runs. And, you know, if, if in the past, maybe those 20 mile long runs would have maybe beat them up a little bit to where they weren't as sharp for their track workout on, on Tuesday, or Wednesday or whatever, like a couple of days later. Now it's like, well, they can recover a little bit better so they can do that in training. And they're like, oh, you know, th- I'm already doing 20 mile long runs pretty fast. Like the marathon doesn't seem as daunting anymore. So I think it just, it kind of allow. I, this is my theory because I'm not sure exactly what they're doing, but, um, but they probably are. Cause I remember in, in college reading a bunch of Canova stuff and he coached to the world record holder in the steeplechase and he'd talk about his like, uh, two plus hour long runs at like 510 pace i was wearing it from kilometers but roughly around like 510 pace you know for like or 25 miles through you know the the mountains of kenya um or i don't know the mountains but they have hilly, you know it's yeah. hilly and like and he was a steeplechaser i mean around the 3k so now i think more people are doing stuff like that in training and so the marathon just isn't the marathon anymore it's just it's a it's a distance of band for sure but it's not like this thing that's like really like tough to do It's and 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 you're seeing more people bounce back and forth like they'll do the marathon the comeback do track stuff um it 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 doesn't have to be this like oh once you're a marathoner you you know you can't ever do any speed workout or you you lose all your 5k speed or 10k speed like you know Hassan's doing everything (laughs) like 15 i mean she's but like Yeah. So I think that's just, it's a combination of the marathon was never that far away from these other events anyways, but maybe people had that perception in their mind, but then now partly with the shoes, it just allows you to recover a little bit better. And so people are more willing to kind of push the envelope and longer things. And then they're now realizing, oh, you know, the marathon, you know, and, and and we're more, um, just, I think better with feeling and a lot of, uh, a lot of I think a lot there's a lot of like training groups that now have like fueling sponsors or at least the the people that make like gels and stuff they want to you know be connected with with teams so like so now people kind of everyone feels pretty well I mean everyone's taking at least you know 60 to 100 grams of of carbs per hour and so like we're not no one's bonking in the marathoning I'm not saying no one but people might like blow up because their quads get wrecked or something if it's their first or second one but for the most part, people have feeling dialed in. All the things that kind of made the marathon difficult in the past—not that we've solved it, but it's like it's drastically reduced. So the marathon's kind of like the 10K now or the half marathon. Um, you just gotta you gotta be really fast. That's how I that's how I see it. So I think in the, in the in in the short future, even like America, will I mean there'll be so many more people running. 208 to 206, and um, I think when you get under there, like under 205, like that's still like you you got to be really really fast in the shorter distances, but you know to run in the high in the high 20s, I think that quantity will drastically increase. So between now and
0: February 3rd, I remember when we chatted in April at the live podcast we did with Brooks, it was. Kyle went through your whole like Strava week and it was like, you know, for most human beings considered crazy. I, are you getting this crazy, this buildup? Before New York City Marathon, Cam Levins is out there talking about how he ran, you know, 170 miles a week. You know, that's never been how high up you go, but there's so there's like tiers of crazy. Uh, where are you going to fall in between now and, and February?
1: I'm not going to have like all of my my training weeks be at like 170. I may have like one or two weeks that are pretty high. I think you can get a lot of benefits from having like a one or two week block like doing a bunch of stuff, but um I don't know how like sustainable that is. And also because like I like a big part of it is just getting getting faster. And so um and having like lots of speed and that will be because this is going to be a flat marathon, so you don't necessarily need like iron strong. Like, yeah, you can get away with a little bit less mileage because, like, you, I mean, once you get past a certain point, like, your body's probably not going to break down. Like, you have enough, but, um, and like, even like pure aerobic fitness, like, there's a limit. Like, so, like, mine is like, okay, like, I've think, seen think you can get some little, like, a little aerobic boost and stuff from like a temporary, like, huge mileage week, maybe like yeah, maybe like similar boss on like another like two week block where like you're around 160 or so. But then for the most part, it's just like really sharpening the speed and being, being faster. And so you have to have some energy reserves to really like hit those higher intensities and like be able to run like lots of like repeats, like, you know, running, um, you know, eight to 10 miles worth, like under 440 pace in a workout to like really be sharp and fast. So you can just cruise at 452 pace or whatever. But um, so that will more be the focus. I don't think like, you know, hitting tons and tons of mileage is necessarily like the the answer to running faster for, for me at this point. Um, but I do, I mean, I do hope to be like, have a couple pretty high weeks. My favorite thing about UCJ is that when everyone
0: thinks something, something's crazy, you come up with a logical response. It's like, no, no, that's not that crazy. So like inversely, uh, Parker Valby, her training is kind of like been talked about a lot within the last couple weeks and i think you were even like in our comment section on an instagram post being like no this makes sense so like two to three runs a week a lot of time on the arc trainer for you why isn't this why isn't that training crazy
1: well she's running a 6k or a 5k on the track so that training i don't think works for a marathon you'd have to do a ton of lifting tons of plyos which she probably wouldn't do or else she would just run more because she wouldn't, I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't be as injured from, but yeah, you would just break down in a marathon. Like, like the, because what gets a lot of people is just like your muscles, everything just breaks down. And so you can't run, even if you can aerobically handle it, you, you can't, you just can't go. Um, but for a five year or six year, that's not, that's not happening. So she's just like with her, I mean, aerobically, you know, if she's, if she's really cross training, you know, up to like two hours a day, who's running two hours a day? What other woman in the NCAA is running for two hours a day? Probably. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many are running 110 miles a week. So probably not very many. She's aerobically training just as much, probably more than almost anybody. So like, so that's not crazy. Let's just, let's just say you're, you're, if you look at it from a physiological spot, okay, her heart's getting the stimulus, her Cardiovascular system, her blood vessels, or mitochondria—they're all getting the stimulus for this amount of time. So that is perfectly logical. Like it doesn't always exactly translate to running, but then she has those two to three days a week if she is running and she is running hard workouts, running at race pace or faster, then becoming efficient at race pace, she's getting the neuromuscular benefits. I mean, when you look at her run, like she's very smooth, like her form is good. Like I mean, she looks. It, she doesn't look awkward. Like she's just on the art train all the time. Like she looks like she runs um, and she runs very well. So I think for, yeah, for what she trains for, she's maximizing her aerobic system. She's maximizing her neuromuscular efficiency at specific race pace. You know, I mean, she, yeah, she's obviously doing race pace. So she's just getting that blend of like lactic tolerance and like kind of, you know, working those different energy systems. So like she has everything that like you're trying to achieve with training. Um, it sounds incredibly boring. Like you know, <laughs> doing the crawl. I hate cross training, but you know she's obviously disciplined enough to do it. So, uh, yeah, I I think it. There's nothing illogical about it. I think I think why they don't rec- like why they don't recommend it. Like in my experience, when I have athletes cross training, they're on the bike, whatever. It's not a, It's not the same. Because when I'm when, when you're on the bike, I'm saying, like, you need your heart rate up at least close to 150. Because most, like, 19-year-olds, their aerobic systems aren't super good. So, their heart rate's naturally a little bit higher. And their max heart rate's, like, over 200. Yeah. So, 150, you know, if you're 50 years old, you're like, that, that's high. That's hard work. For a 19-year-old, it's not. But they don't get their heart rate up, though, <laughs> when they're on the bike. Not even 30 minutes, let alone two hours. So, she's, like, so, like, most people just went cross-train at the... Cause it's way harder, like psychologically for me, like for me to get my heart rate up high enough on the bike, like I'm just not good enough on the bike. I cannot work that hard. Like I can't get, I can't even get up to 140. Like I'm my, I'm dead. Like I'm like sprinting on the bike. Cause I just, I'm not good on my bike. It's different. You know, I'm not, my cardiovascular system is super fit, but my, those muscles using the bike, the coordination, I'm just not good enough to, to work hard enough to get the same workload. Um. So most people I think could still benefit from cross training but if they tried to copy her they simply wouldn't it would take them a long time to actually be able to work hard enough so that the training is equal. Um I think I think you know Valby probably her training probably is the right intensity I mean honestly like she's she's running really well so. Um but yeah it wouldn't work for a marathon I don't think.
0: All right. I kept you long enough, CJ, even though I said we were just gonna catch up for like twenty minutes, but I could talk training and running with you for hours and hours. But uh what do you have what do you have the rest of the day? Like I'm I'm assuming this is run one of two for the day?
1: Um yeah, well I'll run again. We have a we have a little Christmas party that we're hosting with um some people from our church and friends. So we're gonna I we gotta go pick up a tri-tip and um Yeah. So I'll we'll both go get some food run and then make some food and have well christmas party
0: i hear the so how many more what is it the the infrared lights from the chicken coops how many more do you need or like what are you looking for right now to like really deck out this uh this heat chamber that you've created
1: uh, i have 11 that's probably the most because I, I can only put so many on the on the surface <laughs> without like overdoing them because i think you can have it's like 15 answer. So i think it's like 850 watts at a time On each lamp is 250 I think so like when you have six you're at 1500 and so I don't like to go the seventh one on a single one because like if if my wife plugs something into something I don't like blowing the circuit is just annoying and you gotta go fiddle with the panel so um so I usually won't only put six at most on a thing and and my treadmill is on the on the third one so I can't plug more to that circuit so around 11 or 12 is like the most that I want to have. Otherwise I got to find another outlet and have two, it's just too many cords, but I, I I can get it sufficiently hot enough with the 11. So I think I'm good. Um, What's your electric bill? Well, I have solar, so it's nothing. And it's not oh. really that much. So like, so let's say you have like, okay, we'll have 12. So I have 12 of them going. Uh, like, that's 3000 watts. So it'd be, if I ran it for an hour, It'd be three kilowatt hour. It'd be yeah, three kilowatt hours. Um, that's really not a whole lot. I mean, yeah, like my my solar panels on average make I think it's thirty something per day. I mean, it's like in the summer I'll make like close to six, like over sixty kilowatt hours, and then winter obviously it's less. So even if I do like a two hour run with all my things going, it's only six kilowatts. It's not a whole lot. Yeah. So, but I've nice. never had to since I've had solar. I've never had to. My has always been negative at the end of the year, so. There you go. All
0: right, TJ, I appreciate you catching up and, you know, looking forward to just continuing to refresh your Strava over the next couple of weeks and, and seeing everything come together before Orlando. All
1: right, yeah. Thanks. Nice catching up with you, Chris.
0: Thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys, so please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.